stability is going to come from being able to have more clarity around. So interest rates are a good one, isn't it? You know, people at the minute are going, oh, is it going to go up? What's it going to go up by? And I think once some of those policies are made around taxation, around interest rates, um, then the markets, the capital markets can respond accordingly. Once again, we are in with a massive treat to get insight on how to start from nothing and build your way up through either a career or in business or even both. So we've got multi-sector, multi-industry expert here. And now it's time to leverage on other people's mistakes, other people's successes and other people's failures. Yeah, because that's what is a wise thing to do. Yeah, so if you are watching this live, put hashtag live. If you're watching on the replay, put hashtag replay, wherever it is you're listening. Find a way to reach out, ask your questions, and we'll make sure that uh, we both get back to you. So uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining us here. Uh, you know, it's, it's actually going to be, you know, something that's exciting because we're not only just talking about personal development, we're not just talking about property, we're talking about business, and this is what I love. So thank you for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Great to be here, Mark. Yeah. So um, we want to hear a little bit of a backstory on you because I know you help business uh, owners through that path that you have been through yourself. You uh, have been a CEO. You have started from the bottom as well in the travel industry. And uh, you've been managing teams as big as 1,700 with 350 million pound turnover, buying businesses, running businesses, advising businesses, being on the board of all of these businesses and being involved in uh, all these different levels. So there is some great insight that we want to tap into. But uh, just so people listening know a little bit more about you and can also know what questions to ask and fire across. Just give us a little bit like, what, what's the highlight reel of like, how you start, what was it like growing up for you? How do you start out and how do you end up where you are now? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Mark. Um, so you can probably tell from my dulcet tones, I'm a Mancunian, do not hold it against me. Um, so I grew up in a very normal working class family, uh, the youngest of three girls, actually, and the only one in my family to go to university. So way back in the 90s, um, I did an economics degree, actually, and came out with a first, which I was very chuffed about. And essentially, my first proper job was as a government economist, which sounds very boring being in the civil service, but it was a great job. Um, but I jumped out of that into the travel industry and essentially started at the bottom um, as uh, on the graduate scheme at Thompson Holidays back in the day. And then worked my way up to ultimately, be, ultimately becoming the CEO of the travel division for a company called Saga. And I was also prior to that, the managing director of the emerging markets for TUI. So I used to run by businesses in China, India, uh, Russia and Ukraine. I set TUI up there actually as well. And then about three years ago, I decided to jump out of corporate life and become an entrepreneur myself. So I've now got a portfolio of my own businesses, one of which is property. Another is mentoring to help people scale up their career or, or their business. And I also do a lot of advisory work, um, helping businesses with their strategy or buying or selling businesses. And then I've got my podcast, Brave, Bold, Brilliant, which is in the top one and a half percent of all podcasts in the world. So all about overcoming challenges, risks, failures. So, yeah, I'm a warts and all kind of person. What you see is what you get. Um, but, yeah, I believe anything is possible, to be honest, Mark. And we're all perfectly imperfect, aren't we? 
Good. So anything is possible. Definitely want to tap into some of that. So just tell us briefly, like, you know, this starting from the bottom and working your way up in the travel industry, you know, like what was the driving doing that? And like, what were some of the obstacles? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, first of all, find um, an industry, a role that you're going to love. You know, in the travel industry, traveling is is a great uh, joy, you know, a different culture. So I was genuinely fascinated in it. But I think the driver for me um, was always wanting to, to kind of be a better version of myself. Um, I didn't know what direction my career was going to go in, but I always knew that I wanted, you know, make my parents proud and all that kind of stuff. And some of it probably comes from being in those humble beginnings and wanting to probably prove to myself, you know, as well as my family and people around me that, you know, I could climb that ladder and and ultimately become the CEO of, um, you know, within that FTSE 100, FTSE 250 kind of businesses. So, yeah, not easy. Also being the woman in the boardroom, very often the only woman in the boardroom um, in that with lots of male pale gray suits apologies if anyone is um wearing a, a gray suit as they're watching now nothing wrong with that but um yeah it was a different time back then you know so um things are thankfully a bit more inclusive now in business but um yeah there were some challenges along the way dealing with a very alpha male culture shall we say back in the day yeah so what like you know someone who's wanting to because you obviously made the step over to business yeah you know what what would you say uh, is the biggest challenge when like we're all trained to have this employee mindset? There's nothing wrong with being an employee, by the way. But when I say employee mindset, I mean like you know just like very conditional. Like I'm going to work this many hours. I'm going to do this very specific thing, and in return, you're going to give me that money. You know, like what's the difference between that and how people can make a step up over to making more for themselves in life? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's about attitude to risk, actually, you know, because you can be in a very responsible job in, in the corporate world and dealing with, you know, multi-millions and doing huge deals, etc. But ultimately, you're not spending your own money. Um, so, so therefore, yes, it comes with responsibility. But I think when you actually become an entrepreneur yourself or you start your own business, you know, you're, you're, you're normally putting your own cash in, uh, not always, but very often it can be. And therefore, you've probably got a little bit more to lose, unless you're very early in your career, and you've got nothing to lose, in which case, you're probably a bit more ballsy. But I think when it's your own, you're solely responsible for all those decisions, as a business owner, it's, um, it's a different, it's a different set of challenges, I would say it can be, a, be quite lonely. I think at times and, and how do you surround yourself with the right people and when things aren't going your way, how do you bounce back from it and um, can be a bit harder, I think, sometimes as a business owner and an entrepreneur than it can be when you're in a large corporate organization with lots of structure and support around you. Mm. So would you say, yeah, OK, so the structure and support, you know, that could probably come in different shapes and uh, <laughs> it's couldn't it? So, um you're saying that it's lonely. So did you feel lonely when you made that switch compared to when you're in the corporate? Um, I definitely took a while to sort of find find my flow, shall I say, because I think when when you're in a job and, and you don't have to necessarily be in a very senior role, just if you're in a job, there's structure around you. You know, your diary is normally quite well managed. You've got meetings, you know, a lot of that is kind of 
um, organized for you or imposed upon you, whichever way you want to look at it. Whereas when you set out on your own, all of a sudden, you, you know, you're craving the freedom, choice, flexibility that being an entrepreneur gives you. But equally, you get there and you go, oh, it's just me and my phone and my laptop and all that structure is gone. So I think it took me a while to kind of find my flow, really, and, and to actually put that a little bit of structure back in, still having the choice and flexibility that I wanted, but so that I actually had, um, you know, clear goals to move forward from, etc. cetera. Um, mm. and, and I think sometimes that's the challenge. It's almost like, where do you start? You've got too much freedom sometimes, and it's how do you create that balance for yourself? So how key is structure to people's success? Well, well, I think it depends on the kind of person you are. <laughs> so I think for some people, it's absolutely essential. I mean, I, I think everyone should have some form of a plan. You know, it might only be a very simple plan or a light version of a plan, whether it's a business plan or a life plan. But I always think have a plan, because if you know roughly where you want to head, it's going to be a lot easier to get there. And then if you know that, you can then put the right structure around it, have the right team, um, et cetera. And also, I would say it depends on the stage that you're at, because when you're starting out, you know, you tend to get involved in all sorts of stuff. You know, you might be a solopreneur, you might be doing the marketing, you're the IT director, you're, you know, pricing or doing deals, you're doing everything. But as you start to grow, you will need to bring structure in, you need to bring people in to help you, a team, etc. So when you're starting up is very different to when you're scaling up. And I think in particular, when you're scaling up, you need more of that rigor and uh, discipline around you, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, but I think, you know, or, or let me ask what you think, like, is that why a lot of entrepreneurs, they start out and they'll get to this stage where there's so much chaos because they didn't, they, like, they built all of whatever they built without any of that structure? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because I think as an entrepreneur, you're creative, you come up with ideas, opportunities, you grab those opportunities. So you don't want to lose all any, you know, that. But I think sometimes you can get distracted by the shiny penny. You know, oh, this is great. Let's all go over here. Oh, no, no, I've got another deal here. And I think sometimes that can mean that things get started but not finished um, or you can get distracted. But at the same time, you want to have your radar up so you've got flexibility, so you're not missing opportunities. But I do think you need to focus as well because otherwise you can just find that you're spreading yourself too thinly and the wheels can quite easily come off the bus. Mm. And, um, you know, so a lot of people that are in the real life community, they invest in property and they're building property businesses. And some people, they come up to me and they're like, oh, Mark, I just want to quit my job. And like, I know in my head, it's like, it's not an easier switch to like, like you say, I've got to get up in the morning mm. and I've got to be somewhere or I've got to log on or I've got to be seen to, to you know, producing activity or whatever to then, well, actually, I'm the boss, I'll decide, you know, when I do it. Uh, but then it's not the same kind of like, oh, if I do this amount of work, I'll get I'll get paid. I mean, you could put the time in in property investing, but that doesn't mean you're going to get paid because mm -hmm. it's, it's paid based on results, which every job should be anyway. But hey, you know, that's not really how it works sometimes, is it? So uh, like, what advice would you have for people around uh, if I've got to go out there and start, I'm starting a property business, you know, what are some things that I can put in place from the off? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing, be clear on what you're trying to achieve. You know, so is it to, you know, be able to leave your job and replace an income? And if so, what does that number look like? And what's the sort of time frame that you're that you're looking to, to do it within? So, you know, I think you need to understand what it is you're trying to achieve. I think also it's important to decide, you know, where you're going to invest, what kind of strategy is going to be right for you. You know, because if you want to build a, you know, a portfolio that's relatively hands off, you might decide to go down a, you know, a buy to let approach, for example. If you want a higher cash flow in business, then you might decide to do service accommodation. But then it, the nature of it is different. So I think you also need to be quite clear when you're getting into property, how much of your time are you going to give to it? And how are you going to get to where you want to get to? Um, because I think sometimes, you know, we all, it's great to be educated and, you know, you need to get educated, go on the courses, do the training. Absolutely. But you and I know, Mark, that real life and real property investing is not like a textbook, right? Things are going to go wrong. <laughs> so Every time. that's, that's, that's our tagline. Like it's not if it goes wrong, it's when it goes wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, educate yourself. Yes. Do the training courses. But spend a little, don't jump in too quick, I would say. Spend a little bit of time up front thinking about what it is you want to achieve, why you're doing it, what strategy, where you're going to invest. Are you doing it on your own? Are you building a massive business here that you're going to sell? Or is it just that you want a little nest egg and an extra stream of income coming in? Because the two are totally different, right? Mm. Um, and it's not to say that things won't evolve because they absolutely will, but at least start out with a bit of an idea um, because you are investing at the end of the day and things can go well and things will sometimes not go so well. Um, and if you've not thought about it uh, too much, then, of course, you can, mind, you know, you might put yourself in a more risky position than you needed to have. So like when you start working either with businesses or individuals or running businesses, and you're helping them how many of them actually are clear on what they you know what they're doing it for yeah it's a mixed bag mark to be honest because a lot of people if you say to someone well what's your reason why what's your purpose in life why are you getting out of bed in the morning you'll be surprised that a lot of people don't really know or they struggle to answer that question um but the thing is if you can get that clarity you're going to be so much more effective so, you know, not everyone will know immediately, but I always say, if you don't know, just brainstorm all the things that you want in life. And it could be anything from the smaller things to, to big things, but get it out of your head, get it down on paper. And then from there, you will start to form a bit of a plan. Now, what often what I find is when I, um, in particular, when I mentor business leaders, um, in particular, founder-led businesses, very often they've been successful because they are passionate about what they do and they're good at it and they've done a load of stuff they've taken a load of action and they've got to a certain point but maybe they've never had a business plan maybe they've never thought of it but if they want to get to that next level that's when you need to start bringing some of this stuff in for sure but if you can get a bit of clarity earlier on it is going to save you time heartache and, and, you know, you're going to be much more effective if you can get that clarity, I would say.
Mm. So is this like, I want to know from you, like, well, what is it that does stop people or causes failure or people don't get out the blocks? They don't get past a certain income barrier. They don't get past a certain, you know, sales if they've started their own business. But what is the number one thing? And is this connected to it at all? You know, not, not being sure on what you want? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of um, society puts a lot of pressure on us, doesn't it? You know, very often we're, there's expectations, you know, people maybe do a job because it's what their parents wanted for them or what they thought they should be doing. Um, so I think very often it one of the, the blockers for people really following what they want to do is they're worried about failure. They're often worried about people judging them. They're worried maybe around fear of loss, you know, whether it's, you know, loss of income um, or losing money when they invest, etc. So I think there's a whole bunch of reasons which can stop people. But very often it's an inside job. You know, it's it, it's actually ourselves that are putting those blockers in, because very often the reality is we all we might spend all this time worrying what other people think and what other people say. They're normally getting on with their own lives. And actually, you've created, <laughs> created this in your own mind, you know, that actually people are, are so obsessed with what you're doing. Whereas actually, you know, I think flow, row your own boat, decide where mm. you're going, who's in that boat with you um, and, and actually enjoy the ride a lot more. But I think those blockers of failure, loss, judgment are often the things that people means that ne they don't get going or if they get going, sometimes, you know, it doesn't take very much to blow them off track. So I think we've got to always be working on ourselves, on our mindset, surrounding yourself with the right people, all of those things that you know, but sometimes we don't always put into practice. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's what I see anyway. But you've only got one life, right? And, and we don't know how long we've got. So what a shame to go to your grave with a, with a, a list of regrets that you could have done this, you could have followed a dream, you could have done property, but you didn't. You know, what a shame. Better to give it a go and see what happens and learn from it. And if, if you fall flat on your face, oh, well, never mind. Get up, learn from it and, and you know, do better next time. Yeah, no one, some, you know. Some people might say that's easier said than done, but we'll get to that. But like, <laughs> like all of the things that you mentioned that stop people, none of them were people don't have enough skill no yeah so so is that is that is that never a reason because you don't have the skills you don't have the experience that's not um well i think i mean listen it depends what you're what you're going in to do doesn't it you know if you're going to be, want to become a heart surgeon well you kind of need to have training for that <laughs> you know so so i think it depends on your chosen field but if you if you want to do something well then get yourself educated or you build a team around you of experts that can fill the gaps that you have in your knowledge or in your experience um mm. you know so yes that can be a blocker but if you want to do something and you have a time frame that you want to do it in, then you just need to take baby steps, don't you, every single day that's going to move you forward. Mm. Um, and sometimes there might be a few steps back, but that's OK. Or it might be sideways a few times. Um, but I think, you, you know, you can educate yourself. You can surround yourself with the right people um, and, and high performing um, uh, you know, business leaders, CEOs, they don't have all the answers. They build brilliant teams. 
you know, when I was in my corporate career, I didn't know absolutely everything about IT and marketing. And I wasn't an expert in, in those fields, but I had amazing people on my teams that did. And I was there to really, you know, to, to focus on the big picture, the strategy, making the investment choices, empowering the team, bringing talent into the business, being close to the customer. So you can't all be good at everything. But so I don't think that has to be a blocker. But, you you know, you do need to make sure you know enough, of course. But surround mm. yourself with really smart people and don't be afraid of doing that. Yeah. So like, is there any is there any kind of business profession or, or position that doesn't require training? Um, probably isn't really, is there? I mean, at some point, training, whether that's on the job or whether it's formal training or education, you know, I think sometimes you just have to get going and learn as you learn as you go. Other times, you you know, you need more formal training um, that's more in depth and it might take you, I don't know, 10 years to get qualified. Um, so I think it depends, um, to be honest. But most most roles require some level of either softer skills or practical um, experience as well, you know. Yeah. So in your experience, you know, in the corporate sector, like what, like how often did people train and what tra training was people available? Yeah, I mean, it, it tends to be quite structured, I would say, in, in that world, you know, because you, you, you know, in, in a large organization where you've got, you know, at TUI was 60,000 employees, it's a massive business, you know. So within that, you've got your frontline teams that are facing the customers day to day, whether that's on the on the phones or in, in a destination as reps, etc. You know, and you've got your senior leaders who are sitting on the executive board and every sort of level in between. So what you tend, what I tended to find in, in the core corporate world was that there was more formalized development plans for people at every level um you know there were there would be performance reviews you know at least twice a year that would be linked to your objectives and the bonus that you achieved and remuneration so it's much more structured um but yeah development programs should be in place for everyone and if the business isn't doing that for you well then i think you need to step in and take responsibility for your own career and your own development so if you're an entrepreneur, you know, work on your personal development, you know, every day, every week, because there's always something to learn, isn't there? But that's your accountability. That's up to you to make sure that that happens as well. Yeah, I, I, I found that like training is massively misunderstood or like what real education is, you know, because uh, traditionally, like what they call education, which is not where that word came from, but they kind of like cram in where the real word education comes from uh, or the way you can like link it, you will arrive at the word edu, which actually means to draw out, you know? So like, you know, real training or like onboarding is was the training, which is, hey, learn about our products, learn about us, learn about their company, you know, but how about to learn how to execute the job? Yeah. You know, was, was, was questionable like you know it was like a cram in but like how do you know what's coming out you know information going in is one thing coming back out is a completely different thing you know like, like like i used to like we say like traditionally this education that's out there especially in the property industry even in the business industry you know, a lot of people want to train coaches a lot of people want to train you know marketeers and all the rest of it and it's like um a gym induction 
you yeah. know, like human induction, you point at the machine and you say, well, that's how it's done, you know, and, and you pull this and you do this weight and you do it in this form. Yeah, but like, do you get strong from doing that? The answer yeah. is obviously no. You, you've got to get, so like the, the way I started doing it in the IT industry was like we were on the machine. Uh, so we actually trained every single day. Mm. Yeah. Every I mean, some board members, they were like, you guys are wacko, get to work. And I was like, yeah, okay, in a minute, in a minute, in a minute. Right? Because like we literally changed not just that company, but like that industry was like, who are these guys? Yeah. You know, because we were working on ourselves every day on our confidence and on what we were saying on, you know, overcoming objections, how to handle the clients and like all of this every day, not just, you know, when you first start and then once you're okay, you can carry on. And uh, that's what that's what we then took into the into this. Let's call it the outside world, outside of corporate, where people yeah. like pay to want to do training because it's like, uh, as Jim Rowan said, it's like education will make you, you know, a wage. Where self education, when you're choosing what it is area you want to go into, it'll make you absolute fortune. Yeah, and obviously this is the path that a few people have taken as entrepreneurs and business leaders. So. Um, Let's let's say we agree on that. Everyone must have then training. Mm-hmm. Uh, how like when you're consulting these businesses, how orientated around training or business? I mean, they must be, or you wouldn't even be speaking to them if they didn't have interest in it as a mentor, as a consultant, or whatever. But like, how orientated around training and like repetition and like role playing? Like, how how much into that are they, or, or aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it, it, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? You know, because some people naturally do this anyway. They have a curiosity for learning, um, whether that's education, whether it's just shadowing someone, whether it's, you know, listening to inspiring podcasts, whatever it is, it's all learning, right? And some people just naturally have that attitude and, and they're like a sponge, right? So with those kind of leaders, I think you tend to find that it's just endemic in the organization to, to continually develop their teams and, and make make um, an important you know uh, increase in the performance that way for other people um, they need a bit of help with that you know because I think in particular when you're building a team you know a team isn't just a collection of individuals a team wins together right and winning together is very very different and having a high performance attitude um, and having development at the heart of that, sometimes that takes a little bit of time to get that, you know, really embedded into a business. So I'd say that if you ask most business owners, they say they develop their people. But when you look at the reality, sometimes it's not as much as it should be or as much as they think it is, you know. Um, so it is mixed. It really is mixed. Mm. Is that because people are still stuck into this um this mentality of like got to be busy got to be busy got to like you know activity must be happening yeah i think so i mean there's a phrase isn't there mark being a busy fool Mm. you know and i mean one of the things that i i often do with with the people that i work with is i get them to have a really hard look at how where they're spending their time and what are they spending it on you know how are they actually performing how are they leading the business you know, because the culture you set, the behaviors that you put into place yourself is what is seen um, and is what really filters down throughout the whole organization. And if you find that someone, you know, if you're micromanaging your team 
and sitting on their shoulders. That's not what you should be doing. You should be, you know, recruiting smart people, developing them, giving them clear direction and accountability and then letting them get on with their job. You know, so I think when a business leader is focusing on the wrong things, you've got to be quite um, open minded to having that feedback and being honest about where you're spending your time. Are you spending it on the right things, which is adding impact, which is driving the business forward, which is allocating resources, investments, dealing with your top clients? Or are you are you actually managing and not leading? Because the two are very different. Mm, absolutely worlds apart yeah worlds apart um so like um not all businesses i know but like it was a very common um kind of feature let's call it of like oh hey we start at nine but like you show up early yeah good stuff you know maybe you even show up at eight o'clock one hour early but let's say you finish at 5 30 and you want you start packing up at like 5 25 so like, what, what are you doing where are you going <laughs> do you think do you think this is still in society or do you think things are massively changed uh i think i think again it depends on the, it depends on the business and the the organization i think i think there's a lot more flexibility around people working and doing you know you should i always thought you know with my team i used to say i don't actually i don't actually care the hours that you work if you're delivering the results that you need to deliver in the right way that's congruent with our values and what we're trying to achieve as a team, if you can do that in a shorter working day, then good on you, crack on. You know, if it takes you longer and sometimes you've got to put a shift in and you're still there at 10 o'clock because you've got, a, you know, a, a deal to finish off, then so be it. You do what's needed to get the, to get the results. But I think that the working world has changed, you know, because we're much more flexible. We've got more hybrid working. Technology is a great facilitator. And, you know, if something, anything that's come out of the whole kind of pandemic and, and COVID is that I think business leaders have had to trust their teams a lot more. You know, they've had to allow people to work from home. And that is now much more of a, a sort of accepted cultural way of working and doing business. Um, which is which I think is for the better, absolutely. Mm. For who? Well, I think for the business and for the the person, the the whoever's on the team, you know. So, do you think like the the quality of the leadership is? Um, well, let me ask a different question because I suppose do you think we've seen the effect of people having this type of remote working and and whether they know whether they're you know because if it was in an office before right mm. you know like the hawkeye and people probably feel more accountable so they do more but if they're at home and they've got the tv and they've got the kettle and they've got the fridge and you know they go oh let me just you know go over here and take a little bit longer like you say i mean i'm all for this results thing for me mm. let's just let's just put everyone on commission only <laughs> you know that that's i, I came up for a career on right through construction into sales into business and obviously now business is a commission only job isn't it <laughs> <laughs> if you if you're running this show so uh like do you think we've seen the effect of whether people are really working or not um listen i think it, it's hard isn't it because there's a lot of people that that have found it tough in that environment, you know, because they've been very used to going into the office or into their place of work and having the structure and the discipline and the social interaction. So for some people, 
Um, and there's been all sorts of, you know, mental health challenges of working remotely and, you know, people feeling isolated, etc. So I'm not saying it's all rosy in the garden for everyone. Um, and some people actually prefer a more structured approach. And that's that's fine. Um, but I do think that some for other people, they've been they've been allowed to, to flourish and, and probably bring more of their authentic full self to work. You know, and we've we've seen, haven't we, you know, Zoom and technology or whatever it might be teams you know you've got the the kids in the background the bloody dog jumping on this thing you know you're probably seeing more of the real person and you are literally taken into their homes aren't you through through that kind of medium um, and I think that has that has positives as well but you've got to be able to you know set your team up for success you have to be able to treat people as individuals and if someone you know is more um is more responsive working in a certain way than than someone else. Well, then, actually, being able to offer that, I think, is is more to be flexible and allow people to flourish in an environment that's right for them. If you want to come in the office, great, come in the office. That's your if that's how you perform better, brilliant. But actually, if you're trying to juggle childcare and other challenges, whatever they may be, and a more flexible way of working is better for you, then I think we need to be able to offer options for people. Um, mm. in a way that's that's still going to get the results. I mean, ultimately, you know, you've got to deliver, haven't you? You have to deliver. I mean, you know, it's not it's not a charity you're working for, but you want to, for people to be fulfilled, motivated, supported, have the right metrics in place, know what good looks like, and where there are challenges, be there as um, an open-minded leader and, you know, to, to actually be a go-to so you can have a proper conversations and real conversations. That's what, that's mm. what you need. In my observation, there's a real big lag time. So, like, it takes, like, depending on the size of the business, the mechanics of it, it could take years for them to go bust because they're not operating efficiently. But for that many years, it's been dying. You know, and it's been slowly chipping away. That's why I asked you if I've, if you feel that there's been a, a the effect or not. Um, but what was interesting, and I don't know how I would have reacted if I was, because let's face it, a lot of people were forced to start working that way. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in 2018, when we started, you know, creating and generating a few different businesses in property and, and in training and, and this uh, kind of area. Um, yeah, we were already doing it. I, you know, the way I saw it, I thought, you know, why have someone commute one hour, you know, use that two hours a day just to crack on and do whatever you mm. want to do and make it happen. And um, having the background in like my latter part of construction, because in the beginning I was like day rate paying. But then one day they, they I discovered price work. So like you get paid based on how many blocks you lay or how many bricks you lay. That was like jackpot for me. Uh, that really got, you know, a rocket on my ass. Mm. Yeah, so, so from that day I was always like results orientated like the quicker I can do it the better I can do it you know like the more I can either ask for or the more I will get paid mm. um, but then a lot of people they're not like that they're like hey you know I'd rather just know that I'm getting a paycheck and you know I'll deliver the best job I can anyway like I mean if someone's going to deliver the, deliver the best job they can surely they would want to be rewarded for it and to have like a profit share or some kind of bonus some kind of percentage, some kind of commission, which I still think that people veer away from. 
Um, well, I think it depends. It depends, Mark, because if you if you can easily measure, you know, sales is an obvious area, isn't it? You know, it's very metric based. But if if your role is more of a part of a team where you don't have a direct you know impact on the result that's easily measured then it's it's harder to reward people in that way you know so then it's maybe more of a collective a collective bonus so i think you have to look at the context context is everything isn't it it depends what sector you're in which part of the business as to how you're going to reward people measure people um you know but yeah there's no one size fits all but i tell you what the magic of leadership comes in because you look at any sporting team you yeah. can't, can't say I can only pay, you know, this player or that player. It's like, hey, listen, we're going to win together. However the result is, it was the, it was the entirety of the team. Yeah. So, so you're dead right. Like I did start out thinking, well, you know, sales is an easy one. We can always pay commission based on percentage and X, Y, and Z. But then when I started like developing businesses, growing businesses, my thought was like, how can I, how can I have the accountant on commission? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how can I have the receptionist on commission? Yeah. And it doesn't mean have to mean like commission, but like, how can we say, look, when we perform, we all get paid. Yeah. 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 So, so like that was all. And any business that I'm in, I'm always and, and people will tell you I'm pretty generous, actually. Yeah. When it, when it comes to this thing, because I want it to be like your business in this business, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of places and I'm sure you came across it or you'd still be there. If you didn't come across it, there's places that are limiting. Yeah, and and but you know, money's one thing, and bonuses, and everyone wants to be fairly rewarded, don't they? You know, you want to be recognised, you want to be valued, and you want to ultimately, you know, have a financial reward for your for your efforts, hundred percent. But it's not just about that. It isn't just about that. You know, recognising people. Sometimes it's the softer stuff that actually is more motivating. You know, I mean, I come from the, from the travel industry, you know, classic example would be around, you know, overseas trips where you're, you know, you're seeing hoteliers, you're a bit, a bit of business, but you also got a bit of, you know, a couple of days on the beach, downtime, you know, have having education, educational trips overseas, a big part of what actually motivates people in the travel industry, because it's not very well paid, in particular at a junior level. So I think it's it's not just about money. It's, there's other ways to recognize people as well and to reward performance, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and I suppose what I missed out is like we're I mean, the first component is you've got to put someone in a position of what they love doing, you know. Yeah. I, a question that people find someone somewhat weird when I when I when I interview them is like I'll be like if you could do something for the rest of your life and you love it so much you would do it for free what would that be because I want to know what they would do for free because I want to put them in that position mm. I, I want I want I want to I want to see if we've got something because then they've made it we've made it and you know all is all is good yeah crazy moves difficult hit rate sometimes because people are not used to it they're used to this like you say so much a different type of structure because we have structure but it's all around results yeah mm-hmm. but i want i want to move on to some fat, fat, you know quick fire questions now just see what can people do now so like what do you think well like, what's your let me ask you this first quick fire questions what do you think of the current state of the economy or the marketplace 
I think it's been an absolute bloody terrible scenario with the whole money, mini budget that's just put the whole cat among the pigeons in a position that we didn't need to be in. And unfortunately, that's impacting interest rates, it's, impo- it's impacting exchange rates, it's impacting confidence, consumer confidence. And ultimately, there's a lot of average people who are just trying to earn a, you know, a decent crust for their families that unfortunately have been affected. So I think it's a great shame. Um, but I'm hopeful for some more stability to come that's going to allow, um, you know, a bit of a bounce back from where it's been. But, yeah, it's been tough, tough for a lot of people. So where's the stability going to come from? Well, I think the stability is going to come from being able to have more clarity around. So interest rates is a good one, isn't it? You know, people at the minute are going, oh, is it going to go up? What's it going to go up by? And I think once some of those policies are made around taxation, around interest rates, um, then the markets, the capital markets can respond accordingly. You know, stability of exchange rate. You know, we had parity with the dollar a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that was unheard of. Right. And that impacts everything. It impacts the cost of goods. It impacts so many different things. And when that's volatile, as a business owner, as a business leader, it's very difficult to predict. And even just your average person that's, you know, looking after their family to be able to predict how much their household bills is going to be is difficult. Right. So I think it comes from um, solid policies. And it comes from, you know, a a consistent period of whether it's interest rates or exchange rates being at a certain level that makes it easier to predict. So what would you say is the biggest opportunity for people to take advantage of to kind of combat inflation, interest rates, you know, cost of mortgage payments going up, cost of bills, all these things? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm a big believer that out of every adversity, opportunities will come. You know, so if you take property, you know, a lot of people, there's probably going to be fewer investors in the market, I would say, because a lot of people will be having to dispose of maybe their portfolios. You know, a standard buy to let property that was cash flowing before may not be cash flowing positively now. So you're going to have some landlords wanting to exit the market. You'll have more properties coming onto the market and probably a reduction in demand. So you should start to see a correction in prices, you should. Now, I've not got a crystal ball and who knows what will happen. But if you are in a position where you've got an appetite to invest and you're liquid, that could be a great time to actually grow a portfolio in the right way because prices shouldn't should come down. The market's been way too overheated, right, for the last few years. So that's just one example. You know, if, when it comes to, to kind of businesses, you know, there will always be winners and losers in business, won't there? Um, you know, why, so why is that? Why is it? Well, I guess you know it depends on the sector, doesn't it? So if you've got a very traditional business that's got a lot of kind of legacy systems and a lot of fat in it, they're not very agile. It's like trying to turn a tanker. Then those kind of businesses might find it harder to adapt and change, right? But I mean, if you look at the number of say businesses that have started up Amazon, Amazon businesses. You know, people have been able to start businesses because of technology and be, you know, from from their their dining room tables, you know. So I think it depends on the sector, but you're always going to have winners and losers. You're always going to have people that are more risk averse 
that are maybe more nervous in certain situations and you will always have people that are more entrepreneurial and prepared to jump in when other people are being fearful so partly it's down to mindset and individual sort of liquidity position if you like and some of it is down to the structure of a business as to how able are they to to kind of you know adapt and change really so it's not like football like if someone's going to win someone has to lose no, I don't think so. I think I think it evolves. You know, I think there's lots of examples of businesses that have been more innovative and are actually stronger for them. There's lots of businesses through this difficult period that have had to take a good hard look at their cost base, make those hard decisions, cut their cloth accordingly and have come out with slicker processes, maybe new products, different ways of serving their customers. So it doesn't have to be a win-lose. Um mm. But you will always have some that thrive and some that don't. That's just that's just normal life, isn't it? It's normal business. So is it is it fair to say that the ones that are winning are the ones that are like you know are doing the right things, and the ones that are losing are the, the ones that are not doing the right things? Then? Um, I think it depends on the size of the business, doesn't it, as well, and and on your financial position. I would definitely say the businesses which are have creative problem solving are more agile are more tech driven and possibly have multiple income streams will have a level of protection versus a business which is very traditional, maybe is serving one type of client or one type of product um, and is maybe harder to adapt. So would we say that those people are they're not doing the right things? Though? I'm not saying they're not doing the right thing. I think their set of circumstances are different and they, they've been dealt. You've got a different set of cards. And it's how you play those cards um, that, that's important. You know, if you're running, if you're running a five billion dollar business with heavy infrastructure behind you, it's impossible to change as fast as you know an agile business that is turning over you know ten million quid. It, yeah, it's just yeah, different. For, for sure, but you could argue they got more resources. Possibly, uh, possibly, might also have more debt. Yeah, well, debt's good. We like debt. There's good and bad debt. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't want to invest in companies that don't have any debt because they're not really serious about growing. Uh, it's my strategy anyway. Uh, okay, so uh, that's awesome. So are, are we saying that, like, because you like helping people, you know, whether it's a big tank of five billion with lots of infrastructure or whether it's a 10 million pound company, do you think that uh, with the right people going in there, they could? turn it around or do whatever's required and get the company doing the right things? Do you think that's possible for every single company? Um, I don't think it's possible for necessarily every single company, um, but I do what think... What would stop a company then, like, if it's not possible? Well, so if you're exposed to lots of external shocks that you can't directly control, then that could stop, that could stop a company. So, you know, travel industry is a great example. You know, you can't control the exchange rates um, and a lot of the, you know, it's closure, closing of, of barriers, people not being able to travel. That's out of your control, some of those things. Um, and therefore, you know, if you're an airline and you've got lots of debt, it's very difficult to be able to navigate when all of a sudden you have zero revenue overnight. So, so in that situation, you could be the best CEO and the best team possible, but your structure and the external environment in your industry could make it more challenging. But what I would say is that people are at the heart of every successful business. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's sometimes 
it's it, sometimes it's not just the people, but if you you stand a far better chance if you've got talented individuals that work in as a team together and you've got a really great leader that backs the team and you know exactly where you're heading and you're not shying away from those tough decisions you've got a far higher chance of success definitely so, so let's say some external factor comes which we know kind of some of the things you're mentioning did happen mm-hmm. is so like does that now expose a company that previously either got lazy or wasn't doing the right things or could have been better um, it can do in certain situations. Yeah, it can do. But equally, you know, if you've, like you said about debt earlier, there's, you know, there's the companies that have debt are good. Well, yes, it could be if you're in a growth growth market, in a growth sector that you've, you know, you've got debt to fund your growth. But if that debt is fundamentally not structured in the right way, and then you have an external shock, maybe that debt wasn't so sensible. You know, you so mean it, people bought debt on because of lack of sales, for example. Maybe, or 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 it's just a longer term, a longer term utilization of an asset. You know, if you invest in some heavy infrastructure, some capital projects, you know, it might take 10, 10 to fifteen years for those to to actually pay back because they're big projects of multi billions. So, what I'm saying is that every situation is unique, isn't it? actually but what you need to be able to do is is be really ruthless and diagnostic about where the opportunities are where the risks are don't shy away from making the tough decisions bring the right people into the business have a clear plan where you're going um, and make sure that you you know you're you're liquid you've got the cash position to be able to protect you when there are tough times so what's your definition of liquid? Because a lot of people, they talk about being liquid or getting it to be liquid because there's going to be some cheap properties and lots of opportunity to take advantage of. What's your definition of being liquid? Well, you need to have available cash um, that you can you can deploy when the opportunities come up. Now, that could be if you're a startup, that could be your, that could be your own money, could be someone else's money. It could be a revolving credit facility. It could be an angel investor. And there's there's multiple ways to raise finance, Um, you know, so I think it's it's probably having a number of those in your toolkit, if you like, depending on how aggressive you are and how much you want to grow, Um, you know, but yeah, you've got to be able to have capital that you can access and deploy pretty quickly. Mm, good i like it i like what you said because some people sitting there well i don't have any cash so that counts me out then of any opportunity but like you said it doesn't have to be your own money and this is this is a big thing that like i even for a long time was you know let's call it, i was a victim i wasn't i wasn't being responsible for my own you know actions thinking oh you know poor me i don't have any money but like you know to build business to invest in property you don't have to start with any money and in fact anyone who is switched on upstairs i would say that you would continue to not always use your own money because if you even if you got a million then go raise some more and do a five million pound deal you know if you got five million then go raise some more and do a 50 million pound deal uh you know like why not like the only reason you wouldn't is because like you said before you want to play safe or you know the security but in my experience and i told you just before this I'm experiencing another one of those times in this those phases of the business cycle where I was like, you know, did I take my foot off the gas or something? You know, did it did it did I take my foot off the accelerator? And like then loads of things come all at once. 
and that's the life of the entrepreneur. One day everything is hunky dory and it's the best you know thing since life's been. And then the next day it's like, oh, in a second, you know, what's changed? How can it be so crazy right now? And yeah. I think people hear these stories and uh, they look at the market, they look out the window and they say, oh, you know, this is the way the world is. Uh, but I think there's lots of opportunity and, and I love these type of questions. And, and this is what we do in our board meetings, you know, with partners. And this is what we're always doing, which is we sit there and we had those hard conversations. We ask each other those hard questions. We're like, okay, well, if that happened, how would you handle that? How would you deal with that? And, um, you know, so I think some people shut that down, but like I've enjoyed asking these questions. We do have to start wrapping it up right now. I've got a couple more questions I want to ask you. But before I ask you those questions, I just want to say what awesome insight. Um, I think I think the one thing I want to say actually is like anybody listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, you know, listen to it over and over and over again because like the repetition, like the second time you're going to hear hear it slightly different. And I think uh, there's a lot of wisdom here and uh, insight and experience, which would be so difficult to get out within the time that we've got here. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on. Been brilliant to have you. Golden nuggets everywhere. I think everybody listening in would agree. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure, Mark. Yeah. So here are a couple of questions I want to ask you before you go. And uh, the first one is, like, let's say you've got a microphone right now. It translates to all of the different languages across this planet. You've got 30 seconds to be able to like, just put a message out there, you know, just put your stamp on or you know, just get something out to the, to the people. What is it? So it is believe in yourself because anything's possible and it's by being brave and bold that you are going to unlock your brilliant. Nice. Straight there. Simple like that. Yeah, awesome. Last question. You know, in our community, we have this saying that we never let, want to let people forget that they must do the right thing for the right reason. Now, why is that? Well, because life's all about choices and you've only got one life, so you want to make it bloody count, don't you? <laughs> I love it. Nice and simple again. So we would like to add you to our awesome reel that we have, which is um, we have people like answering their question uh, with their version. But then um, we have this saying that everybody says it. They say you've got to do the right thing for the right reason. And then the answer is because it's the only way to discover your true potential. So if I asked you again, will you be able to say that? I will, yes. Okay. <laughs> so let's go for it. So we have this saying, and that is that you've got to do the right thing for the right reason. Why is that? Because it's the only way to discover your true potential. <laughs> yes, very good. Thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, make sure you share this, you tag this, you send this to your friends so you can get all the wisdom here uh, from this wonderful expert who are joining us. Now, as uh, Jeanette said, you've got to do the right thing for the right reason because that is the only way you're going to discover your true potential. So thank you for being here and we'll see you next time. Great stuff. Thanks, Mark. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.